Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Hey, 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 we are back with the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. This is episode 99. We're, we're, we're based on the precipice of hitting the big 100, our next episode, uh, which is going to have uh, five people on it, is going to be the super secret crazy thing. I'm super excited, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Let me introduce myself to myself charlie carden uh trek lord of west michigan fleet captain of the uss grand petoskey uh here in west michigan i am joined as always by my awesome co-host the uh one of a kind k quinn how the heck are you i'm doing great how are you i am also doing well and peter whose transporter broke today uh stein peter how are you <laughs> doing all right good deal we are joined by a returning special guest who reached out to me and said picard series finale i've got thoughts and i said <laughs> come on down uh we're talking about uh the uh, young lady that i have dubbed the chicago trekker that would be jen watson jen hello Hi. hello hello happy good. to be here thanks good for having see me on Good to see you. Good to hear you. Well, before we jump into the meet, we got a big show this week. So I'm usually a stickler for time. I like to keep things tight, but we have two new stories. We have the end of a series, plus talking about the series as a wrap up. Uh, and then we're going to say goodbye to Peter and jump back into talking about another segment of Star Trek Voyager. But uh, first and foremost, as I said, uh, we do have news, but I never get anywhere without thanking our awesome top tier Patreons, really all of our Patreons. But I want to give some uh, a special love to the Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, your friend and my friend, Missy Merchant, and Andy Milliken at our BFFs level. We love you guys. And at the Best Buds level, our friend Jamie Prinky. So thank you for supporting us. You make uh, creating the additional content that we get to do possible. And we are grateful. So thank you. Um, okay. Without further ado, let's jump into the news. We've got two stories, which uh, we don't often have one, uh, but now we have two. Um, first off, we have a Trek First, a TV movie announced, uh, I think, uh, is something that's been talked about for a long time. Um, and I think, I mean, you guys tell me if you think this had anything to do with the star of this film, maybe winning a little uh, industry award that some people consider to be somewhat of note. Um, Peter, what's the story? Um, <clears throat> so basically the story is that uh, the character Philippa Giorgio will return in a Section 31 TV show movie. Nice so, show movie. Yes. Yes. It, I, my and brain went one way and my mouth went another way. And so you got both. You're welcome. That That is okay. This is pretty cool. Lynn, as I said, this has been in development. You see my air quotes if you're watching us on YouTube um, for a very long time. Uh, and we talked about this over on SFU Prime some time back. But, of course, that shows weekly. We're biweekly. So we're a little slower on the uptake. But hopefully we give a little, a little deeper dive in things related to Star Trek. So um, what do you guys think about this? I mean, uh, Kay, you're a huge Discovery fan. Jen, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not remembering where you land with Discovery. But what do you guys think about this? 
I honestly think doing a movie was probably a wise choice just because your schedule is kind of can get kind of crazy. But also, I don't know if there's a lot of content to be able to fit in between Giorgio's story that where we didn't see her because we obviously know where Giorgio ends up and right. we know where her story ends. So I think that trying to do like six seasons in a movie of mm-hmm. what was happening between like season what three and four of discovery or two and three would have been really difficult to do. Well, yeah, they left her in a flash where remember it was, it was the guardian of forever. They brought back Carl who was actually the guardian of forever. And she's like, I'm phasing out of whatever. And because she was, they, they gave a very star Trek doctor who timey wimey kind of, well, I'm from one universe and I can because be in another, from another universe and, and you jump forward travels, in time. Yeah. That was, okay. you can't do that. And your molecules are shifting. Right. That's yeah, a bridge too far, another, but not both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then they kind of chucked her into the uh, Guardian Forever, and she was just gone. And that was in season three of Discovery. So it's just it's kind of history. Um, so then we get this. So she goes somewhere. Um, so it's going to have to be. I mean, if it's one, not the other, she's gone back to the twenty third century, or is she gone back to the mirror universe? I'm thinking that she's gone back to the 23rd century. because century, that's a, yeah, because yeah. they already established her as having worked with Section 31 kind of mm-hmm. in Discovery in Season 2. There also is Three, a Section yeah. 31 in the Mirror Universe, so that would be kind oh, of Oh, yeah, that'd also be difficult. Very good point. Yeah, yeah so that so that, uh, that that really draws it back. The entire so. Empire is basically Section 31. <laughs> yeah, that is very correct. So... This is pretty great. So this is, I mean, this is pretty, this is pretty high profile with Michelle, Michelle Yeoh, obviously being an actor of note long before she won the Academy Award for the, I'm going to get the name of the movie wrong, Everywhere. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Touche. <laughs> Thank you very much. Before you can, uh, I only saw that recently and I loved it. And yes. I think that the award is very much deserved. I mean, she was mm-hmm. amazing in everything I've seen her in. Um, right. I'm happy that it's a movie i think that the track record recently for these like 10 episode series with the through line like this Mm -hmm. i mean maybe it would do better if it was condensed into a movie if it's two hours two and a half hours or so i mean if you're going with a longer movie you know this marvel movie sort of runtime um i think you can maybe tell a tighter story with that and if you want to do another spinoff off of the movie, if there's anything to do with some of the other Section 31 agents or Section 31 in different time periods, you know, you could do something with that if you wanted to do more. But as is, I think um, it's a good way to tie up the loose ends that we had from Discovery because we did just kind of leave her hanging. It's like, yeah, we know where she goes, but we want to see some of that story. At least I wanted to see some of that story because we knew there was a talk of the section 31 show but it was still like a right year. right so it would be good to give it a conclusion and with her schedule i'm assuming it's her schedule yeah and maybe i would think that, so you know, pay grade that she's at right now after yeah right Oscar. Um, yeah, that's where that, that's where they put that money back into. Yeah. I think it, it also sets a great precedent for projects like this coming forward. And this is what I said when we were talking about it over on SFU Prime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get this here, but now this maybe also means we get a telefilm about let's get the gang back together or the Voyager gang or the DS9 gang. Uh, probably less Avery Brooks if I was willing to have a guess. But like little little right, special right. projects. 
Yeah. Yeah. More enterprise. Exactly. So, um, but we, we will get into t- talking about that. Uh, what did you say, Peter? I said, maybe we'll get the Romulan war finally. Oh man. Oh my God. Yes. The enterprise. Thing. Yeah. That, that was always the longest talk. Like, you know, let's bring those back together. But you know, where the, you know, the Voyager gang, like they're all somewhat still visible. The enterprise people, you know, they seem to be very fractured as far as do they still interact with each other. So I don't know. Oh yeah. It's just saying it's another show that just kind of stopped. I mean, they got kind of a wrap up, but there's yeah. more story to tell because they wanted to tell more story and they, right. Right. You know. This could be the chance. And I love Scott Bakula. If you've been listening to our, if you're one of our patrons and listening to our, uh, the facts geek life, which is my show over there, we've been doing quantum leap, Missy merchant and I have nice. been doing it and just absolutely love that show. It's awesome. <laughs> so, okay. Story number two, uh, we've all been waiting, uh, kind of with bated breath and, uh, we're all, we're all strange new worlds cosplayers, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and a few of us are doing a photo shoot here in a couple of weeks, uh, another photo shoot. Cause we did one last fall that, that Jen and Scott were a part of, but yeah, strange new worlds. We're getting season two on June 15. Kay, tell us all about it. Tell us what you thought about this trailer. Oh, and you muted dear. Oh. Sorry, I have two very rambunctious chihuahuas, so I keep having to mute myself. Um, no, appreciated. I loved everything except for the song that they picked. Well, oh God, jog my memory. What was the song? Um, it was it was a rehash. Service. Yes. Was- um, and that was my wedding song, so it was very weird to see it like <laughs> what, 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 like what, what, rehashed into this. I was like, this feels weird to me. I don't like this version of it. What, what that was, was more the- of a personal pick. <laughs> what, what was the song again? Um, such great heights. Such great heights, which I'm not familiar with. Who did that song originally? Now I'm blanking. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I should know it. Oh, gotcha. Postal service. Was a band. Uh, yeah, postal service. Yeah. Everybody um, knows it but me. I, I, of course, picked a, I think my, the song, my wedding song was the song by Dan Fogelberg because I love soft rock. But so I'm, I'm bad. I'm bad like that. <laughs> um, now I'm going to have to go back and play a little strict rotation. All right. So moving beyond that, you know, yes, but what everything you, what else about, about it song? Yeah. was just fantastic. Every, it seemed like it was just more a season one, which also was fantastic so i didn't see anything in it everybody you know all the characters you know you had your fun quippy lines you had your you know obviously high stakes and it just looked like it was gonna be fantastic overall right oh my goodness yeah i uh i love uh the inclusion of we're getting um we're getting kirk back and peter you'll appreciate this because you're a continuity you know nut like i am kirk when in the menagerie back in TOS, when they meet Captain Pike in the chair where he beeps yes or no, he says, you know, someone asked him, you know, uh, the other, uh, the Commodore Mendez, the other guy there asked him, hey, have you ever met Christopher Pike? And Kirk says, uh, I met him briefly when he was promoted to fleet captain. Spock knows him. And the scene that it feels like that they show here is going to be a contained performance with just uh Paul Wesley as Kirk and then uh, Christina Chong as Lan Sung. Uh, and they are, they look like they're in the past somewhere. Cause it's funny. They show them going into like a department store, different stuff and quipping about, I'm from, you know, I I'm, I'm from space, which was the funny line, funny line they equipped from star Trek four. Um, so hopefully that means that they, that maybe they're trying to adhere to that kind of continuity. That would be cool. Um, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they didn't, but you know, I don't know. Uh, and, the other big thing I loved, Spock and what I – this is what Oxford and I talked about. What I considered normal-looking Klingons uh, per kind of what we got in Discovery, which was like, whoa, 
that's that's a different stripe, <clears throat> without a doubt. So anyway, um, Peter, your thoughts? Um, I for sure appreciated that the Klingons looked like Klingons again. Yeah. Uh, so, and like the costuming and the makeup is like the costuming is actually in between Discovery and Motion Picture Klingons. Okay. Um, gotcha. Kind but, of kind of kind of glossing over the TOS yeah, but Klingons the, yet again. <laughs> I noticed these sorts of things, but the but I'm happy that like the foreheads are back and they like they normal normalized the, the faces again. They fixed um, the hair. Fixed so the hair. I. I myself am not super stoked about Kirk coming in um, just because Kirk can be written correctly. And then Kirk can be written like Zap Brannigan. And I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> um, yes. Because that's the, that is how Kirk is seen in the current zeitgeist. And so I, I just, yeah, I'm a little concerned with that. It could be great, but that's just, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's you're also right. like, it's, it's Pike's show. Let's, we don't need yeah. to bring Kirk and let Kirk do his thing on the Republic and whatever. Right. Well, hopefully it'll be a one-off. Cause I would, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to see it necessarily any other way. So Jen, how about you? Um, I think it looks great. I, I'm excited. It looks like, uh, you know, like you were saying more of the same from season one. It's one of those, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix, you know, don't, True. don't fix what ain't broke. True. Um, I they've been saying that um, Ortegas is going to have her episode, her character pro, uh, mm-hmm. spotlight episode, which I'm excited for because she did not have one in season one. Right. Um, Kirk, I can kind of like, okay, if he's there, cool. If he's not there, that's fine. Take, too. take her I to leave. It, kind of them. Yeah. it yeah. really does depend. Like Peter said, it comes down to the writing. I mean, I was here for the JJ movies episode and I'm like, that wasn't Kirk. You know, that's not the Kirk yeah. I know from prime timeline. Yeah. This is prime yeah. timeline. So we'll see. Um, I still kind of see Stefan Salvatore though, because I watched Vampire Diaries and I'm like, this is yeah. a casting choice. But like, we didn't really see enough of him in season one for me to really get a handle on like his Kirk. So yeah. if we see him. I, I like how you were doing the gesturing when you uh, said yeah, that. It's Kirk. It's Spock. I can't help What do you it. mean? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Klingons look good. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, I wasn't upset at the discovery Klingons either though. I was like, okay, they're going in a different direction with this. Let's see how this goes. Um, I'm really here for the stories. I mean, as much as I am a cosplayer and I am, and I'm appreciative of costumes and makeup. And I still think that the strange new world's costumes are amazing. Yeah, Um, totally. You know, I'm excited for the stories because the stories in season one were great. And I'm hoping we're going to get some more great stories in season two, too. So more, more character action. Um, I'm happy that they still kind of showed uh, number one in there. I mean, even though we left her on a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. like obviously she's going to be back. No reason right. to, you know, mince that at all. You know, right. we know she's going to be there. We don't know how, maybe that'll be the story in uh, episode one. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah. I, I get the feeling that'll be, that'll be a wrap up. Cause what else, yeah. you know, what else are they going to do? One of the main characters. So, Excellent. Okay. Any final thoughts before we move on to, uh, again, this was, I always like to call the segment half because we rarely have news yeah. to talk about, but before we jump into segment one, any, any final thoughts? We good? Are we excited about like stuff? I'm from space was subverted. You know? <laughs> exactly. I'm I was slightly annoyed by that, but <laughs> yes, it was, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. 
I understand. Well, cool. All right, let's jump right into the meat of it. Uh, we are at the end of the road for Picard, Star Trek Picard as a series. Uh, we're going to be talking about episode 10, The Last Generation. Who wants to do the honors? Of de- I'm going to let Jen do the honors. Our guests can do the honors of reading the recap. And again, you don't have to read the entire thing, but the notes here to summarize. So, Jen, right. the honor is yours. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Picard season three, episode 10, the last generation Federation president Anton Chekhov issues a planetary distress signal. Picard and the crew of the enterprise find a Borg ship hiding in the clouds of Jupiter. Seven liberates the Titan from the assimilated crew and engages the fleet. Worf and Riker infiltrate the Borg ship while Picard plugs into the hive mind to rescue Jack from the Borg queen's influence. The compromised fleet destroys space dock and Earth's planetary shields and begin targeting major cities. The Enterprise locates the beacon controlling the assimilated crew members and destroys it. Picard succeeds in freeing Jack from the Queen, after which they escape as the cube explodes. With the Borg destroyed once and for all, all assimilated Starfleet personnel return to normal, and the Enterprise is returned to the Fleet Museum. Uh, A year later, the crew reminisce over drinks and a game of cards. Seven is promoted to Captain of the Titan, which is rechristened the USS Enterprise G, with Raffi as her first officer and Jack as liaison to the captain. Then Jack receives a visit from Q, telling him that while Picard's trial has ended, his has just begun. That was actually a nice little summary. It really didn't drag ass too much. I was impressed. For an episode where so, so much happened. So, um, Peter... I know that you had some reservations. I think we're going to go low high, so I'll let you start, <laughs> and then and then we'll jump and kind of jump into the rest of us. So, Peter, give us give us the give us your thoughts, please. Um, I had mixed feelings about this episode. Um, I know that I'm going to be the outlier here, um, but That's okay. Uh, for me, the like all the character interactions were great. I'm going to say that out out front. Um, that was amazing. Um, but for me, the, uh, bringing the way that they brought back the Borg didn't work for me. Um, the, um, particularly the queen herself. Um, it just, there was a lot of stuff there that didn't make sense for me with changing the Borg's priorities or having her cannibalize drones, which continuity speaking is not a necessary thing in any way through Voyager TNG, it does. It's just not a thing. That's kind of, um, true. I get that. So I get that they were going for horror and they were going for like broken, but when you're, when your thing from season two is the Borg are lonely. And then your thing from season three is the Borg are angry and lonely. They do. Oh, so wait a second. So the Borg need a sandwich. Oh, name of the episode, <laughs> the Borg need a sandwich. Um, so, so that just really, the Borg just really didn't work for me. Um, and yeah, um, but other than that, you know, a lot of, a lot of it was great. The, uh, the Death Star one run was a little weird for me. Um, cause the enterprise D is a boat. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> that, 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 that component of it, I can agree with. Cause like, yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah. It was cool, but it. Yeah, but wa- watching it be so so nubile is a little different because yeah. you don't you think of like that's something the Voyager could pull off or the Defiant could pull off, but yeah, the the Enterprise is you know that's a a suburban versus like a like a like a geo. Yeah, there's <laughs> you know? a big so, yeah. difference in maneuverability there. Um, yeah, Data's grin was great. Like that whole yeah. thing was great. But he was he was, he was digging it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, like overall it was fine. Um, the, the, I wasn't entirely sure what I felt about rechristening the Titan since it was an A already. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just right. a little odd. It was an odd choice. Like rechrist making another enterprise. Totally fine with that. Seven being the captain. Yeah. Totally fine with that. It was just an odd choice to make the, Titan. They had, a, they had a, a guy out there with, you know, the whitewash. Oh, I got to do this again. Uh, <laughs> that's got to so, be the worst job. So hopefully they get drones to do that, you know, kind of. Yeah. Then again, that's how we end up with Cylons. Make them do all the crappy jobs. Mm-hmm. And, all, and they just kill all humans. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, well, cool. All right. Okay. Kay, uh, if, if you're in between Yelps, uh, I, would love to, I would love to hear your thoughts. Let's get, let's get Kay's perspective. Take it away. Um, so as a season, I think this was very interesting, and I think it did well on its own. Cohesively as a series, I think it kind of falls apart. So just because it seemed like they were trying to do a through line of like humanity and synthetic life and like the continuation of life and it just never seemed like they knew how to wrap up that story nicely um but overall i thought that they did well with this season i think this was Mm -hmm. maybe the most successful season out of the three um i very much enjoyed seeing the entire crew back together and seeing them kind of do one final hurrah i still don't know if i love that everybody lived because they were so like gung ho about like oh no one's safe no one's safe yeah you know I, it, it, they they absolutely did do that I, I I will say I was I was surprised and and happy that everybody lived but yeah. I, but I was surprised yeah, because, yeah I still thought, yeah. It, it felt like a real kind of fake out and I honestly thought that it would have been a really beautiful moment for Jack not to have unplugged. And it had just been Picard and him kind of embracing and Picard being like, that's okay, I'm not going to leave. Like, this is where we'll make our last stand then, if that's what's going to happen. Um, and I was honestly, I don't, if I think I would, if I was Troy, I would have divorced Riker's ass after that. I've been like, two times I tried to save you, and two times you chose Picard over me and over your family. I don't think I'd be okay with that. <laughs> She's either a very understanding woman or it's some kind of PTSD. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. So, but I think overall, like, I really, I I did really enjoy, and I thought the, the poker game at the end and kind of the conclusion of that and seeing all of them together at the end was very, very nice. Um, Worf's, you know, swords are fun. Maybe <laughs> my favorite line out of the entire series. <laughs> and. <laughs> And I was really, really excited to see Q come back. Um, if that's kind of if we if that's our kind of jump to the next series would be mm-hmm. us being able to have Rafi, you know, Seven and Jack having to deal with Q escapades and like kind of a new TNG launch. I'd be super thrilled with that. Right, right. That I absolutely agree with. But again, we'll uh, we'll dig a little deeper into what comes next here shortly. Mm-hmm. But uh, because yeah, the way Q got done dirty in season two was a uh, was mm-hmm. no bueno. So. Jen, take us home. Well, again, I'll jump in after you, but I'd like to have all you guys go first because then I don't have to do that much work because then it all gets said. <laughs> take it away. Um, okay, so I did, careful thought. Careful. I know. Thought. <laughs> I did overall enjoy this. I did have some issues too. Um, I think that the board being like a mother, her, her, the board queen's insistence that she's a mother and that being the contrast or the foil to Beverly 
being the mother and her like Beverly's ready to, you know, give him up. I mean, she's resigned at that point to that. Like we, we push this button. Now we lose everyone on the cube and they show everyone's faces too on the D where they're like, all right, if this is it, you know, the needs of the many and the needs of the few, again, it comes back to that. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And, and that, that contrast there, I feel like we got a lot of, you know, mother stuff. I was excited to see Beverly in action and she still kind of got pushed to this mother role that she always had. Um, I mean, we did see her in action and earlier in the season and she did have the, you know, the, the weapons control and it was cool to be like, Oh yeah, everything, you know, you, the past 20 years, there's been a lot. Um, did she talk to everyone? I mean, if she did, it was off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, they did bring in that assimilation is euphoria from season two, because that was mm-hmm. something that was not established prior. Um, I was a little bit like, okay, uh, you can save someone from assimilation with the power of love and power of family. Oh, but Huey Lewis would have been so proud. The power of love de- <laughs> delivers. The very Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> do not invoke that. <laughs> That's pulled from Prodigy, too, because that happened in Prodigy with Zero. Right, 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 right. Mm, Hidden wrinkle, I guess. You've got this established. It worked in Prodigy because she was, Zero was non-corporeal. Not not corporeal. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, So, like, Zero could not necessarily be assimilated, but it's still, like, that, that push and pull of loneliness versus family, the idea of your found family, um, in Starfleet versus your blood family and is the Borg queen kind of a biological mother to Jack because the, the DNA stuff that happened um, like a kooky aunt more like it. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean I will say this I thought she looked amazing like the the effects and makeup and costuming on that was right so creepy like and it it was uh, it was Alice Krieger's Voice, the Alice Krieger being the, the Borg double. Queen, yeah. But the, yeah, the woman, and she had a name uh, that was someone, oh God, I'm going to click on the link. She had the name of someone famous, but it wasn't that person. Give me just a okay. minute here. You, you keep talking and I'll, I'll look it All up because right. I'm, I'm curious um, now. I did notice that the way that the Borg Queen's face was sort of melted and distorted was similar to the floating head that mm-hmm. um, Vatic was talking okay. to. So it's like, okay, would have liked to have that be explicit rather than implicit that, yeah, the changelings were talking to the Borg. I mean, they did say the changelings were talking to the Borg, but I felt sometimes like, who was the floating head? What was that? What was going on? You know? Um, So, I mean, I noticed that it was the same shape, but I noticed that on my second watch. I didn't notice that the first time through. Um, I love that Data gets his wish after all of this time, Data gets to be human and figure out what that all actually means for real. Much um, to Troy's uh, exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on a all right. I've got the name. Yeah. Uh, as Borg Queen Body Double, Jane Edwina Seymour. That is right. Oh, Dr. Yeah. Quinn, Borg Woman. That could be another title, <laughs> but I, I like to the Borg Need a Sandwich better. Peter kind of set me up for that one, so I don't think I can let it go. <laughs> um, but overall, it, it this season, 
yes, good. It was rough and choppy in parts. Um, and I mean, we didn't, not everyone survived. We lost Roe. Mm-hmm. We lost Shaw. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually upset at that, which is interesting because I remember being on the show when we talked about on um, Secret Friends, we were talking about the trailer for Picard and we're like, yeah, Shaw's, Shaw's going to get tossed out in airlock in the first episode or two. And it's like, and then we came to love him. We came to love him. Like he's a dipshit from Chicago, but he's our dipshit from Chicago. No. And that's got to Yeah. That's got to t- be in the Chicago white yourself. Yeah. That's got to touch you. Yeah. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Um, but like, and if I can, I know that we're, I'm talking a lot here, but like, it's, please talk a lot. That's okay. One of the things that I really liked about Shaw and his character is that in that episode where he's in the bar talking about his trauma and his experiences at Wolf 359, and that's the moment where it flipped for me. Um, he was introduced as someone that we were kind of not supposed to like because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was like, no. And he was against the guys that we had come to love and care for like it's Picard and Riker we know them we love them we know what their intentions are we know that they're trying to save the universe and Shaw's out here going like no you cannot do this with my ship you can't do this with my crew he's trying to protect his crew we learn because of his trauma we learn about like why he's um dead naming seven we learn why he's so against the borg um and keeps referring to picard as an ex-borg and seeing him in that light it's because of the whole 359 right 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 right. what that scene did is it took the other and it made it someone that we care about and that's what i think the best trek does and in, in in this day and age where the other is another human with a different point of view from yours. And it's not someone who's an alien necessarily. Um, This is the kind of character that I think we really needed because we need to see other humans with different points of view from ours and understand them, empathize with them, and see that they may have places that they're coming from that are explanations not excuses but explanations for their opinions and why we can see where they're coming from and come to understand them and come to yes even love them in their own way because Shaw never renounced his feelings he still had his trauma all the way up to the end mm-hmm. yes he did call her seven of nine at the end um, but that was the beginning of his redemption and I really would have loved to see him carry that through into a next series or, you know, he's got growing to do. I don't think he's redeemed from the behaviors that he had, but, you know, I feel like we can understand him. I think he was a, such an important character to have. Um, I am actually sad to see him go. He really pulled off the Tashiar yeah. hollow recording. Like I'm going to say something like, well, I knew I was going to die. So here's this handy dandy. Like, and even though seven's a real pain in the ass, I just, I think yeah. she should Blamo, be captain. I love yeah. it. Um, so, oh my goodness. Well, we, um, it's funny cause we've, we've really weaved in, um, talking about this episode with, with how I wanted to wrap this up, which, which was to look at the series as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my yeah my 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 final thoughts were and I, I punctuated here and there a little bit um was that i was i was very satisfied but with probably in line with 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 what peter said there are a lot of things about this that were kind of super convenient you know like oh now you know jack was on a super accelerated track so he's an ensign after one year huh um they you know just decided to slap a new name on the titan and now it's the enterprise g well it's kind of cool but it's also kind of like what um and want to build another set yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly why they did it. <laughs> you're like, you know what? We can we can afford, uh, or the Starfleet would be like, you know what? After losing, because think about they think about how many people they lost. Yeah. So it's like there were a lot of promotions. That's probably why Jack got promoted so yeah. fast because they didn't have, you know, all they had were ensigns. So now all the ensigns are lieutenants. All the lieutenants are lieutenant commanders, and all the lieutenant commanders and commanders are now ship captains because they were all out of people. Um, so yeah, Starfleet went through a serious reduction in. In about 20 minutes yeah. uh, that they needed to really quickly promote some people, which is cool. I just uh, did a bunch of um, promotions within the chapter this morning. A bunch of people had their time and grade got promoted, mostly enlisted people. But yeah, if they killed off all of our senior officers, all these people would be running the ship. Um, so it's kind of the same deal. So there was a lot of kind of convenience for convenience sake. But, you know, the end bit with the crew and the bar, it was kind of annoying how they kept referring to Guinan. Oh, Guinan's been giving us a stink eye for 20 minutes. She's right over there. That was a little like we're just not going to get Whoopi in here and pay her for, you know, <laughs> to even just go and give them the give them the stink eye. You know, they were going to pay for that. Um but, but you know the great the the echoing the you know the camera pull out from above and and echoing mm-hmm. the end of all good things was was terrific and so it was it was it was kind of the, the wish fulfillment hour which I I, I I I don't have a problem with but it's also kind of like is it is it really as you said the lasting like Kay was saying the lasting storytelling where. Maybe there would have been some great impact if, you know, Picard and Son went down in a blaze of glory. Maybe yes and maybe no. But I at the at the end of the day I was I was still pretty happy. But I but I one hundred percent could have seen it both ways. So um what hasn't been said on this show and just in the Zeitgeist in general about this series being kinda okay in season one, total train wreck in season two super duper at least in my opinion redemption in season three i mean i don't know what we what else we could add to that unless one of the two of you wants to jump in with a contrary opinion that is that is my reader's digest elevator speech uh for how i see this series but any further thoughts around kind of the the journey we've taken since this show's been on the air anybody Um, i think one of the things that we've been seeing with this show is the people in charge slowly realizing that you need to, you know, accept older Star Trek to be able to make the newer Star Trek, which I think right. is a good thing for them. Um, mm-hmm. In the sense, in the sense that, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but like, you can't just like take like Enterprise and past and just be like, "Well, we're doing something new now." Right. Um, and so, like the fact maybe that they with, were able maybe with to bathwater. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to like starting in T starting in Picard season one, we were like, Oh yeah, you remember all this? We're going to shove it in a locker and now we're going to do our own thing and we're going to make you mad. Um, and then season two where it was like, Oh, we're going to sneak it out of the locker for a second. Hey, you remember these more things? And now we're going to shove it in the locker and go into the present. And then we're going to throw it into a dumpster. Um, <laughs> and set it on fire. And, set it and, on fire. So, and, and, and then by the time you get to season three, they're finally like, you know what? Maybe the stuff that's in that locker is actually worth something. 
Right. Um, and so and they people, brought it back. And, and, and people bringing, liked it for a reason, right? And, like there's a reason why TNG sticks around and people love it so much. And so you bring some more of that back in and you're like, hey, maybe some of this isn't bad to use. Like don't use it ad nauseum. Like I think there's a few things that they did this season particularly that were a little like, okay, like I get why you brought it back because everyone loves it, but it doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. But like the fact that they were able to bring some of that stuff back and do it in a not terribly forced way was Mm -hmm. I think growth on that end. And I hope that we see that going through going forward. And so I think that's something that uh, the the card show at least has learned. And hopefully everybody in charge has also learned that, that that the older stuff does like it has value. And so you can use it. Right. 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 Which is what, yeah earlier on, you know, in season one, when they were doing all these interviews, I remember that, you know, Patrick Stewart was so saying like, this is not the next gen part two. This is going to be a totally new thing. It's going to be a totally new story for um, the times that we're in now. And I'm still not quite sure what he meant by that, but um, you know, I mean, Maybe that just doesn't exist with heritage characters, which is, I know, both Kay and Peter, we had some quibbles, particularly early in season three, like, well, that's just not what Riker would do. That's just not what Corey would do. Yeah, I was listening to the show and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, listening to the show in my car and I'm going, I'm like, it's because Riker's a changeling. That's why he's acting so weird. And (laughs) I'm such a great catch all. Everybody's a changeling. Because it's like. Oh, Deanna won't mind if I'm like, Deanna would mind. Have you seen the Penthe? Have you seen the first season where everything was good? He's got to be a changeling. And then he wasn't. And I'm like, uh, yeah, what's up with Riker? I don't know. But like, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, that was the that entire relationship. I was yeah. like the entire low point for me because I was like, they have like, who was did uh, the people who were responsible for writing these characters watch any of TNG at all? Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of takes you right back to Nemesis, you know, and the fact that the director didn't know the characters and, you know, right. his script notes were like, and Jordy's an alien, and he took vo- uh, Worf's voice and lowered it an octave and just did a bunch of weird shit that just didn't didn't click in yeah. any way shape or form. Yeah. So... Yeah. So yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, I would I would say for sure to Peter's point, you know. Not every show, you know, and again, most shows get canceled if people don't watch them. But then again, we live in this weird age where you don't really know how a show is a success or not a success mm-hmm. until Netflix just cancels it. Like, yeah. oh, well, not enough, not enough people are watching, blah, blah, blah. So it's canceled. Or, you know, Swamp Thing over on like, the, Oh, man, I like that. Yeah. Or, you know, Swamp Thing over on, uh, you know, HBO Max. Like, well, we canceled it and all the episodes haven't aired yet, but it's not popular enough. So, you know, this is Star Trek. And so there's, there's a built-in audience. But to Peter's point, it's tough to really sustain something when all you're saying is that, you know, yeah, yeah, I like shoving things in a locker. That's a great analogy, Mm -hmm. but just like, oh, but I really want this hoodie. Maybe I'll take this hoodie and this pair of track pants, but I'll put the track pants out and I really want this pair of shoes. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's, you know, locker shopping for Star Trek, but yeah, they, it, it took them all this time to, to learn. And obviously maybe they're really listening to the fans saying, Hey, you know, season two was God awful. You know, you threw spaghetti against the wall. You wanted to see what stuck and nothing really did. Um, and so they came came back and they in a lot of ways ignored the rest of the series which is all well and good i mean poor laris we don't know what happened to her what happened to that relationship yeah i I know even one throwaway line of like 
you know, yeah, Laris is at the vineyard or Laris is doing something like you, you didn't have to bring her back for the last episode, but you could have said something. Yeah, this is true. Mm-hmm. That was, that, that, but, that was kind of an ouchie over. But yeah, she was just set dressing for the first like eight minutes of episode yeah. one at, here in season three. So, um, the series overall, would I call it a success? You know, it, the, the meatloaf, meatloaf song doesn't go one out of three ain't bad. It's two yeah. out of three ain't bad. And uh, we're more like one point. I'm going to go like maybe two, five or one point five as far as what's good, because I liked parts of season one, you know, it, but maybe a lot of that was just like, hey, it's great to see him back and they're doing stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's Starfleet and, you know, look, new ships and new uniforms and blah, blah, blah. And then season two was just a complete loss. I mean, even when I did our bracket challenge, the five episodes of Picard are all from this season because I was like, maybe Nepenthe was OK. Nope, these episodes are all better. Uh, <laughs> but that was my take. But um so what is what's next for star trek in the 25th century i mean they obviously you know if this is a game of t-ball your you know t-ball is the you know seven and raffi and jack and q yeah you know Mm -hmm. but you know i i'm reading articles that are saying well that would be really expensive because they're going to want to film it in canada and then they got to get people up there and they got to do this thing so i read this article that was really grinding down on logistics but you know, they it's still not film, make it work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're still fil- they're filming strange new worlds in, in Toronto and uh, they film discovery in Toronto and, you know, actors move around, you know, and they can move all the sets with it. So yeah, I, I find that argument to be somewhat specious, but you know, we're, um, we're now approaching, believe it or not, the middle of, of 2023. Um, you know, they're making this movie, they're making the Starfleet Academy thing, which is going to be a continuation of discovery. So, I would see anything related to 25th century Star Trek, where they they call it Star Trek Legacy, which would be spectacular, is not being something that we're going to see in the flash until 2025 or even 2026. So I think we're looking two, three year window after they announce something. You know what I mean? Because then they yeah. have to produce it. And if you think about how long it was in between uh, when we finally, it was it was two years from when we met captain pike and and that enterprise and then season two of discovery ended that was in that was in 2019 and then it was in 2022 that we got the show so that's so that's three years plus you throw COVID in there whatever so so two years is reasonable i think yeah i'd be willing to wait two years for this show Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i really like seven of nine clearly (laughs) um kind of sort of yeah i got you and 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 her whole arc though like just from i mean sorry just to no, please. By all means, she has one of the best arcs. I think her and Worf probably have two of the best arcs, or and Spock have you know the best arcs in all of Star Trek that we've seen them from one end I to mean, the Worf's other. Worf's the character that's been in the most episodes of Star yep. Trek, hands down. Yeah, um, and I like that they didn't seem to ignore his presence on Deep Space Nine either. I mean, he referenced Odo, even if he didn't call him by name. Um, mm-hmm. He's the link to, I mean, no pun intended, but he's the link to the Dominion War and that went on there. Um, so like they didn't discount that like they did in Nemesis, but Nemesis did everything wrong anyway. So yes. that's beside the point. It's um, kind of a great like, fuss. It's like the end of Enterprise. It's the, we are, what was the, that was the last night. The, these are the voyages. <laughs> doesn't exist so yeah it's I, a bad holodeck program i don't know that episode that didn't happen um Star Wars holiday but, special you know, what <laughs> going to like no i am borg put me back in the collective right at the beginning of season four of voyager all the way through her being like 
we're all that's left of Starfleet. And her being like so Starfleet and like, even though she's unsure and maybe she wants to resign, but like, no, she, she belongs here. She belongs here. And can we talk about Tuvok being here too? Like we didn't even bring it up. It was terrific. You know, I loved it. It was, it was so good to see just anyone else in here. Um, I would love to see if they do legacy, which I mean, the fan response for this is, so huge. Um, I mean, it, it got it got me to go out and sign one of those stupid petitions, which I, I don't do that. I'm like, this is the most worthless junk they could ever have. Nobody cares about these. And I'm like, you know, just in case, maybe I ought to go sign this. And I did. And it's got 20,000 people that are interested in it. And if nothing else, it's like the old letter writing campaigns yeah. back in the 60s with the old show. Like, please don't cancel Star Trek. And they get... A, 50,000 letters at the Paramount office. You know what I mean? And maybe that yeah. means something. Maybe it doesn't. So, um, yeah, that's my vibe. Kate, you, yeah. you've been silent. We haven't shut up and I, <laughs> but I haven't forgotten about you. And I know that you're trying to keep the dogs at bay, but yeah, what do you, what are you thinking? Um, I'm just hoping that this is the end of the Borg. Honestly, they've been such it, a big presence for so done. long. Yeah, I would really like to see it where it's like, okay, this was kind of just the nail in the in the you know cube, so to speak, of <laughs> cube. you know Borg are done, and if Borg do become a presence in you know a legacy twenty fifth century whatever, you see it from um, the Jurati perspective of yeah. that new collective that she created, and they become more of a presence for good or at least neutrality versus them mm-hmm. trying to be a com- conquering force no granted not a villain right. yeah we haven't seen anything about them you know in the 32nd century so obviously whatever you know presence they had wouldn't have been a lasting presence so to speak seems that way yeah or, yeah. or you know it's just another corner to be explored in some other fashion yeah, right exactly so i mean that would be probably my my only other takeaway that hasn't been said gotcha excellent well, holy cow. Um, we've never done a 45-minute segment one and segment half. So I'm enthused about this. This is exactly what I was hoping for. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to Peter. Peter will be back with us um, next week for our extra special Super Duper Blowout 100. Uh, Peter, where do people find you out there on the intranets? You can find me floating around the internet at uh, Petrus Aquinas at various places, and you can find me on ELH's channel playing a Vulcan engineer. Ooh, a Vulcan engineer. I like it. Well, cool. We're going to take a quick pause for station identification, and we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about Voyager Season 3. See you in a second. Okay, back from our little micro break. We're going to do a quick blast through of part two of season three uh, of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, I had mentioned this was uh, right around the time that I kind of disconnected from the series for a little while because I wasn't loving the way that it went. Um, So going back to these stories again, kind of like what I was talking with last week, I mentioned, okay, these were some stories that I wasn't super steeped in, but this first two-parter is one of my absolute favorites. So, um, Kay? You want to take on the first two parts, those summaries? Go for it. Yeah, so we had Future End Part 1 and Future End Part 2. Um, both of them were, uh, or I'm sorry, the first one was written by Dave Livingston and, or directed by Dave Livingston and written by Brandon Brega and Joe Minoski. And then Part 2 was directed by Cliff Bull and uh, 
same writers on there. So you did see some consistency for the writing. Which is nice, um, yeah. Yeah. And a 29th century time ship causes a time paradox when it accidentally sends itself and Voyager to two different periods of the 20th century Earth. And then Janeway must prevent the destruction of the solar system by a 20th century entrepreneur who has acquired said 29th century time ship. Oh, the evils of Ed Bigley yeah. Jr. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Very Elon Musk type. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, yeah. Way before it's time, because, yeah, I don't believe Elon Musk was even a, a factor in pop culture. But no, for the at last that point, five or 10 years. Not. Yeah. No, nobody yeah. had really, really heard mm-hmm. of him at all. So, oh, my God. I am um, absolutely absolutely dug this episode you know i don't know about you guys but um this was fun i you know we've had uh we had more in the original series uh than we did really in any other series where they went back to present day um but this one felt much like the the old tos episode assignment earth with gary seven and uh, terry gar who was an actress from the 60s if you never watched <laughs> laugh in or whatever uh it, where they made it just seem very topical like she spoke like a young person just like they had a very young sarah silverman as the guest star rain mm-hmm. robinson talk like a a normal 90s kind of person who you know drove a combi van and was kind of a hippie and liked old b you know b horror movies and stuff so um but yeah you got to see our crew in you know regular outfits so tuvok wearing like a tracksuit and tom paris wearing jeans with it tom paris kind of dresses like i do because that's kind of how i dressed in the 90s with the jeans tucked in <laughs> and the shirt with the sleeves rolled up and the, the ta- you know the tanky underneath so that's kind of that's kind of my lay motif tom, tom paris biting my style um but i dug it and it was great yeah it was great commentary on the fact that you know they really painted ed bagley jr as very much the 20th century you know uh capitalist you know super scumbag who mm-hmm. just loved money and wanted power but it just you know I, hey i've done everything that i can by stealing the ship and i need more tech but by going back to the future uh so to speak um Ooh. by doing that he's going to cause an explosion that's going to destroy your solar system which is how voyager gets a visit from the future time police which is that's always the show that i've wanted was you know the star trek time police the temporal you know, investigations, people I've, you know, total sidebar. I thought, I think that would be an amazing show, but um, yeah, this is, this is one of my favorites and it even um, made our uh, you'll, you'll hear about it again next week when we, when we start talking about what we're talking about next week. But mm-hmm. um, Jen, your thoughts real quick. Um, it's Voyager's voyage home. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the one with the whales only it's the one with the uh, time ship. Right. Um, I, I liked it. It was fun. I, I liked Rain Robinson a lot. I'm thinking Tom Paris must be in heaven right now because he's a giant nerd about the 20th century. <laughs> right. I love how he got stuff wrong. Like, oh, it's groovy. And we're yeah, that's pretty groovy. We're down in the, the Soviets. And right. she's like, Tuvok's such a freakosaurus. And, you know, it, right. it was fun. I felt like uh, Tom and Rain had some chemistry, which was nice that was cute i liked that um i like she stayed where she was and didn't come with them um mm-hmm. you know it was fun i enjoyed this yeah totally yeah. totally gotcha kay kay did you did you go first now I, I i just started blabbing but <laughs> no, that's other, okay. other thoughts i i really enjoyed rain i enjoyed the kind of um you know aliens vibe that they're having of you know she's been looking for extraterrestrial life she accidentally finds voyager and there's this whole you know back and forth with that and kind of them trying to do a secret spy type of deal i didn't really love uh the whole capitalist 
genius tech mogul because when we first see this dude, he's out in the middle of the woods, like <laughs> he's just being, a he's a, he's yeah, a hippie douchebag, yeah. <laughs> right, obviously doing some sort of you know taking in some sort of substance, um, and that's when he finds the ship, and then all of a sudden, you know, in twenty years, he has become this genius tech mogul. And yes, he did find a ship from the 29th century, but you know, I could be studying a rocket ship for 20 years. That doesn't mean I'm going to understand how it works. Right. So the idea that he's able, that he's able to parse this enough together to be able to create this technology and in some ways outsmart, you know, someone like, or, um, not Troy, uh, someone like, uh, Bolana, there we go. Right. Um, you oh, know, with the tech, like with the the transporter, yeah, with and he the tech and stuff, and it's like I I don't know if he would still be that smart, and he would have been able to get to that advanced level by himself in one gen, like in in a matter of two decades. So that was the kind of the inconsistency uh, yeah. I found, especially because like that's where they get the mobile emitter, and they're never able to recreate that mobile emitter. So you have an entire group of engineers on Voyager and, you know, intelligent Starfleet capable people who cannot recreate one piece of 29th technology. Right. And we're supposed to believe that he was able to completely tear apart a 29th century time ship. Right. That was the well, only part where I was like, this feels, this feels yeah. like you jump in the shark a little bit and you're just supposed to have me suspend reality. But I liked the idea of it overall. I just wish that they would have played with that a little bit better. I mean, in fairness, they never really dig that deep into Starling's background. For all we know, he could be some brilliant college dropout that, yeah, he's dropping acid in the desert by himself. And all of a sudden he's like, whoa. And then he's like, well, I'm also a genius, but I'm also a scumbag. So, but yeah, you're right. It is. It's a very sitcom-y plot convenient conveyance mm-hmm. to, to accept that kind of stuff. So that, that, that I can absolutely agree with. So, um, but yeah, I, I dug it. I, I dug it for that reason. If I can, if I can kind of let go of that. So, um, well, cool. Well, let's let's move on uh, to I will say the rest of it. <laughs> episode, uh, episode ten is Warlord, uh, directed by David Livingston, regular of the series. Uh, the story is by Andrew Shepard Price and Mark Gaberman. Not regular staff writers, at least that I'm aware of, but to tell a play by Lisa Klink, and we've been talking about her uh, last couple episodes. This is where she, and she's somebody who's still involved in the franchise. Uh, from November of 1996, Kess is controlled by an alien war na- warlord named Tyran. Hmm, a Kess episode, a character who clearly feels like she's on their way out. But notable episode because this is when she ends her relationship with Neelix, which Kay has been waiting for. <laughs> For so long, because she just oh the most one of star one of Star Trek's most toxic uh, relationships, yeah. without a doubt. So, mm-hmm. um, I just you know I don't know I, I I know that by I think I watched maybe watched the Ed Bigley the Future's End and then I think I quit it for a couple of months. So I didn't see this one back when it aired, and in catching probably caught it after either in summertime reruns or years later when uh you know we already had seven of nine on the show so you had a more interesting replacement uh for Kess. so i just i just didn't really care uh about you know there there were kind of no stakes for me in this episode it's like keep her don't keep her whatever i it sucked that tuvok was in danger because i love tuvok he's one of my favorite characters but other than that i just i couldn't muster up the the um the fortitude to really care what happened to Kess. i'm sorry (laughs) So what do you, what did you, what, what about you guys? 
Uh, I think no stakes is a really good way to put this because, I mean, we're following Cass. Um, I can tell that Jen Lian is having a ball with this, though. Like, sure. She's actually able to do something different from from just being Cass. Um, but, like, overall, the episode is like, we're telling a story about a war that we have no stakes right. in, we don't care about. We're following her. Um, yeah. and, and that we don't really see a lot of our people from Voyager so much. It's just really kind of right. following her and it's like, you know, it's okay. a lot of who cares. Well, yeah. Um, I don't mind Cass. I, I think she's fine, but I think that, um, she would have been better served as a character if she had broken up with Neelix a lot earlier because <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was not a good relationship and so much of, her character is tied up in her relationship to him. And it's like, eh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Neelix becomes a better character after Kess leaves the show too. Big time. I know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But he does, he gets a lot more interesting and fun, but like, eh. I mean, yeah. that's kind of my review is. Okay. Eh. Eh. I get the, I get the feeling you might be echoing some of what we've yeah. talked yeah. about. I think it's a little bit too little too late. Uh, yeah. I absolutely adore Cass. And I really, I feel like she's one of those characters where it was just down to poor writing because her character on paper seems incredibly interesting. Yeah. As far as yeah. like, she is this incredibly as as, powerful yeah. telepath. She right. only lives True. for like five to seven years. She nine you know, years, came yeah. from, or yeah, nine years. And she comes from this, you know, kind of weird commune type of yeah. ostracized community. And, She's out seeing the stars for the first, like, it's a really interesting idea. Big time. But she doesn't ever really get anything to go off of. And I, you know, I, Jen, you said the thing that I was thinking the entire time is that Jennifer Lane's just having a ball with this. And it very much came down to, it wasn't her acting chops. It was just the writing chops where yeah. she was never given anything. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. It was a big cast, nine characters. Mm -hmm. Um, and you had several that just weren't interesting. Okay. We talked about last week about uh, Tom Paris and, and Harry Kim, even though I love the Delta Flyers podcast, I love listening to Garrett and Robbie give their experiences. But as far as who's interesting on the Voyager cast, they're, they're, those characters are at the bottom, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, we love, we love Chakotay, Tuvok, Janeway and seven, and we love the doctor. And, but yeah, this just cast just, you know, with nine characters to start with and and then they they swap uh, they swap her out for um, for Seven, who's a very interesting character, and in which we were just talking about. Um, yeah, she kind of got lost in the shuffle. So this was, you know, kind of one of her last rattles, as it were. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but we move on. K episode eleven. It's yours. Yeah, I've got uh, the Q and the Gray. Uh, this one directed by Cliff Bulligan, a story by Sean Piller and teleplay by Kenneth Biller. So Q visits Voyager with a proposal for Janeway as civil war breaks out in the Q continuum. Um, and this one is just more Q being Q, uh, where he's like, hey, Janeway, come have a baby with me because that'll fix everything. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, in uh, relationships in general, having a baby does not fix uh, yeah. my Morgan Freeman voice. Yeah. A baby, in fact, did not fix everything. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's like, like if you're in a toxic relationship, getting married does not fix everything. It will mm -hmm. always make things worse. Trust yes. me. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I played for laughs. Uh, was the whole thing. I mean, you know, his seduction and I love it how he's, uh, you know, taking on Chakotay like, oh, I've got some competition. Do you like his tattoo? Mine's bigger. <laughs> I lo love in Chakotay. I love that. But um, um, 
Kay, what'd you, th- what'd you think in general? Just loved QB and Q? I mean, yeah, Q's going to Q. Um, I love Janeway turning him down every step of the way and her being like, you are absolutely repugnant. No. Um, so just wonderful in that sense. And I thought it was, I love the ones where they're expanding on the continuum because mm-hmm. it's such a, you know, to use a poor turn of phrase, it's such an alien idea for us as far as, yeah. you know, these beings that are, immortal and kind of immeffable as far as our understanding of them. So the way that we get to interact with them is on a very limited scope. And I think they did a really good job kind of bringing in and like having that civil war era. Cause a lot of times they'll do that stuff with like the, um, you know, the holodeck and stuff where you're like, Oh, we're going back and doing, you know, Shakespeare or we're doing, you know, Robin hood. But this was a fun way to bring in those kind of sets without it being, Oh, this is just a holodeck episode. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Jen, how about you? Um, Yeah, I I kind of had the same notes of like, this is a holodeck episode without the holodeck. Um, Janeway's great. Q is great. Um, I liked the the lady Q that came. Oh, Susie Flaxton. Mm -hmm. Flaxton. The greatest. Fantastic. Loved her throwaway line about like, I always loved Klingon females, like knowing that she's Kalar. Yeah, worst baby mama. Exactly. Um, You know, and I mean, there is a resolution in this in that like, oh, you, you, you have someone that you can mate with, you know, that that will work and that will solve the problem if you think this is how you're going to solve the problem. Um, Janeway remains steadfast throughout the whole thing, uh, which, you know, Janeway's going to Janeway and be very like stick to her morals and stick to her beliefs and still be like, Oh, Q, no, no, no. Um, I, I liked it. It's fun. Um, yeah, Janeway's as persistent as ever. And a note that Qs have mated before because there was that TNG episode, True Q. Right, right. So, the- you know, Q being all like, I, I can only mate with, you know, ca- creatures that... By touching fingers. Mate. Bing! Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. No, he's just here to harass Janeway. I think he, yeah. he could have mated it- with Picard. He would have tried that too. Like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That, that would have probably would have tried that first. Let's be real. <laughs> you know, he probably True. probably could have figured out a way to to pull it off. Agreed. <laughs> you know, agreed. It's all been said. I enjoyed cute. I love yeah. seeing Susie Plaxon. The Civil War thing was kind of it was kind of fun. Yeah. Like see that. And again, it's funny. We were just talking about Kess. I think for these next three episodes, I don't feel like we see her at all. Like she was so she was so tied to Neil. Like there was wasn't a great Neelix plot line to this episode either. And we don't see Q again until at the end he has a, a baby, which ends up I think being John Delancey's son in real life, or or, may, or some such. But I know that the next time we see him in season seven, that's his real life son. So it can't be the yes. same kid twice. Um, so it, it must be two kids. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't see Q again until the end of the series when he he returns with Q two his his uh, his uh, who's a, a Keegan his real life son. So um, but yeah, cool episode. All right, I know we're on a time crunch, so let's blast through these last two. Um, Jen, I'll give you episode twelve. All right, uh, that is macrocosm. Uh, Voyager answers help from a mining colony about a viral outbreak that manages to sneak onto Voyager through the transporter, leaving only Janeway and the Doctor to stop it. Or as I've called it, uh, starring Catherine Janeway as Ellen Ripley. 
Oh yeah, or mm-hmm. or as a, as a, you know, it's a diehard basically. Yeah. Or yeah, more to your point, don't let the doctor do anything. This was a one hundred percent preventable thing that the doctor was like, I really want to go down and do this thing and help people out or whatever. And uh, or I'm, and maybe I'm forgetting the He's setup. The real Jar Jar Binks of the episode. Oh God, <laughs> big time! Yeah, because he goes down there and still he brings back these little flies that turn into these big pitcher plant things. And uh, yeah, and then Janeway has to. I got to take off my jacket this is when the jumpsuit suddenly becomes a jacket which is an amazing transformation with the the voyager jumpsuit it can become a jacket and then the shirt comes off too and then she'd put my badge on and do 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 um, technology of the future exactly yeah exactly there are no zippers so how could anything be one piece or two piece if there's no zippers everything separates you could just she could have just taken the sleeves off and gone great guns don't you think <laughs> um but this, this was cool. I love seeing them running around. I always like seeing weird corners of the ship. It's always amazing how much destruction the ship can continue to take. Like, we had to blow out the entire power grid to save this. Or we had to eject the warp core, but it was a good thing we could go back and get it again. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, unlike in Bellstar Galactica, where if you watch the whole show at the end of it, it, it looks like a 78 Pinto, where it started out as a, you know, you know 2024 Cadillac. You know, by the by the time Voyager rolls home, it just looks just fine. Um but yeah, I dug this. I don't know. Any other thoughts about the episode? Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, got to see Janeway, you know, kick alien ass, which was very fun. Right. <laughs> the, our favorite rifle. Pew, pew. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. love to see with one of the rifle makes the breakout. So pretty cool. But yeah, it seems like a lot of stuff that could be avoided if the doctor would just, you know, friggin' knock it off. So it's like, I just got this mobile limiter. Let me use it. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it's not such a great idea. Big dope. Um, all right, I'll take us home with Fair Trade, uh, episode 13. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus Salvador uh, Trevino is the director. He becomes a, a regular uh, talent on Star Trek, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the story is Ron Wilkerson and Jean Louise Matthias, not names that I recognize, so I, I don't know they were regulars, but the teleplay is by uh, Andre. Bormanis, who is a regular to the show. Um, from January of 1997, Voyager approaches the edge of Neelix's knowledge at a trading station going into the Necrot Expanse. So uh, this is a, a Neelix in Crisis episode. He's like, oh, God, they're going to find out I don't know what I'm doing. Neelix, we've always known you don't know what you're doing. I, I don't really feel like, you know, his, his whole juxtaposition in this episode around feeling like, oh, I'm not valuable anymore. What am I going to do? Just seems kind of weird and tacked on. And then he meets a, a shady near dwell buddy who he, he, you know, the two of them did a job together and uh, Neelix got away and this guy went to jail. And so Neelix was like, oh, I feel so conflicted or whatever. And it just, um, I don't know. I wasn't crazy about it. Neelix isn't one of my favorite characters anyway, even though I met Johnny Phillips on the cruise and he was awesome. Um, Neelix was always just, he was just always very cringy to me in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Was this story at all redemptive of Neelix, even though he screwed things up and at the end Janeway let him off the hook? I mean, what do you guys think? I kind of get where he's coming from, actually. So this kind of, I'm like, oh, you know, that feeling of you feel like you have to be useful, otherwise people won't like you. You feel like you have to contribute something or you feel like a, a drain Um, Neelix is coming to this from a very different perspective. You know, he was a smuggler. He was a traitor. Uh, My Borgian points are falling off. Um, Oh, no! uh, You've uh, you've cured Borgism. They're falling off. And he's used to being useful and helping people. 
And, you know, the Starfleet way is like you're valuable and worthwhile just because you're a person. You don't have to contribute anything for us to like you. And that's so hard for him to wrap his head around. So I can totally understand why he would have this moral dilemma, this conflict, and resort to what he felt like he had to resort to in order to continue to help the crew. Um, I get it. That's valid. And I don't think that she necessarily let him off the hook either because there was still this, like, you still did this thing that was not good at the Mm -hmm. end of the episode. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's no through line because Voyager's got a big reset button at the end of every episode. But (laughs) (laughs) I still feel like that, that emotional thing of, like, you still did a bad thing but we're still going to keep you on because we, we like you. And that's the point of the episode is we like you. We want you here. You don't have to do anything for us, for us to like you. Yeah. That can be a hard lesson to learn when you're someone who's used to being useful. Right. Right. Where every relationship is transactional. Right. 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 Yeah. We're right. Because he was a junker. He was like, we just Mm -hmm. watched guardians of the galaxy last night and the ravagers like Yandu, like he's like Yandu, but not quite so Mm -hmm. edgy. Um, that's a very good point. I guess I didn't necessarily look at it that way. So he yeah. just wasn't used to used to being uh, in the company of, of friends and people who you care about. So, hey, you know what? I learned something today. That gave me a <laughs> Thank you very much. So, uh, Kay, Kay, any final thoughts uh, yeah, about this I mean, episode? honestly, I think this is one of the episodes where, I mean, especially because this was one of the first ones where we saw him and, you know, Kess part ways. And they kind yeah. of took the abusive boyfriend angle off of him. Um, and so you got to see him as a character outside of that. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I agree more with Jen where you got to see him struggling with learning that not everyone is wanting something from you just mm-hmm. because they want something from you. People can want you around just because like you were saying, they enjoy your company or they value you as a person and it's not mm-hmm. down to what you can do. Right. And you got right. to see him struggle with, you know, no, I know Voyager and I've been with this crew now for two years and there's no way that the captain could do this. And then, you know, his friend is kind of, you know, the devil on his shoulder being like, no, or, you know, his, his conscience or his self doubt being like, no, you're not valuable. You're not useful. Why would they want to keep you if you can't produce something for them? Right. So, and I think that, you know, especially, you know, Mama Janeway, I'm not angry. I'm more disappointed like that in and of itself is punishment yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love, oh, Mama's mad. Yeah. Oh, Mama's mad at me. Yeah. I get, you know what? You guys turn me around about this one. I actually have a little deeper appreciation after having this conversation. Look at that. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. We got to take this one home. Let's have a favorite and a least favorite of these groupings. Jen, go for it. Um, Favorite's going to be Future's End. I think it was still a lot of fun, kind of what we said. Um, I always like the episodes where they come back to the present, so to speak. Yeah, the present, the dated um, present, right? Yeah. Uh, and the least favorite's going to be Warlord. It's just there wasn't anything to it. It was kind of a right. It was a nothing sandwich. So yes, big time. It's easy for me because I have the exact same input. Mm-hmm. Uh, Future's End is mm-hmm. one of those ones that I go back to because it's fun and is you know and it has a great message about scumbag capitalism. And then yeah, Warlord is just like you know find a way to make me care. Oh, you you didn't find a way to make me care. We're all set. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to say that probably my favorite would be uh, the Q and the Gray, and then my least favorite was Macrocosm. Oh, boy. Different perspective. I like that. Yeah. So, well, cool. Um, Well, we are concluded. Jen, thank you so much. Loved having you on. Let's do this. 
with some serious frequency. I know this is your you know third or fourth time on the show, and you're going to be back next week as well for the uh, as yet kept under wraps super secret uh, conclusion mm-hmm. of what episode 100 is going to be. Where do people find you out there on the interwebs? Uh, I am at Jen Watson Art in most places. I've got a link tree, uh, so it's link tree slash Jen Watson Art. You can find me there. That's got links to. Uh, my Instagram, my Etsy shop, uh, anything else. I got some cool stuff on Etsy. I'll be putting more Star Trek products in there soon. Uh, so you can find the stuff Sweet. there. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, fun has now concluded. Fun has now concluded. <laughs> Kay, how, Kay, what about you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at the QT Geek and then at uh, Counter Social at Kay Quinn. Nice. And as always, you can find me over on Twitter at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. My wife, April, and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey. That is one of the biggest chapters of the International Star Trek Fan Club in the world, based right here in West Michigan. If you're a Trekker, want to learn more about talking to other Trekkers, we've got a great Discord that is members only. So drop us a line from our website of that name, or you can find us on socials too, and we can get you going. With that, friends, I'm going to bid you an adieu. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. And wherever you go, go boldly. Be who you, uh, be what you love and love who you are. I love it on the fly. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.